0: Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Happy New Year. We're glad that you're listening. I thought a good verse to start the year out would be found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, which says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me." What a great verse that tells us how to have connection with God. We need to be crucified with Christ. We have to realize that Jesus died in our place on the cross. And because of the great sacrifice he made, it means that we need to be crucified and be dead to sin and dead to the things of this world and alive to Christ. And it says we live by faith. We trust God for everything. We don't trust the world. We don't trust our own efforts. We don't trust people around us. We trust only Christ. And as we live by faith, God blesses us and uses us and helps us to reach out to a lost and fallen world. We need to be light in such a dark age. This is the, the radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio none other than an Irishman. And um, we're so thankful that, that you're here, the Millers. And uh, they've had a tremendous ministry over the years. Um, I've had the privilege of being in their home and preaching in the church there. And when I was there, they had uh, two services. They had the regular service, which had several different uh, nationalities. But then they had, I think it was a Romanian church that followed on. And that was quite an experience to try to uh, go through translation. That was, um, that was a, a scary experience for me. But um, you might tell us about that, Rob,
1: uh, Rob Biller. Well, um, toward the end of the 90s, we had a, a huge influx of immigrants. A lot of them were from uh, Romania, from Eastern Europe. and. Um, uh, five Romanian guys showed up in church one Sunday and said, would you welcome Romanians here? And I wasn't really thinking. And I just said, well, we welcome all kinds of sinners here. And then I realized <laughs> that this had to be translated. And then it struck me, you know, humor is often lost in translation, but, um, but they got the humor and they all laughed. And a few weeks later, they all showed up with their families. Um, and that began a relationship and a ministry with with Romanians. Um, That developed into uh, a Romanian language congregation, um, which had, um, I suppose at its peak, probably had about 50 people or thereabouts. Um, When the economic crash came in the early 2000s, a lot of them moved on to find other work. Um, And we merged, uh, some of the Romanians then merged with another Romanian congregation uh, and um, I think three or four families came into our English-speaking congregation. Um, so we now have, I think, last count about immigrants from about 24 different countries. Wow. Praise the Lord. How long have you been at the church there? Um, 32 years. Wow. So. Word. it's what one of our church members refers to as the fungus effect apparently <laughs> I've grown on them so <laughs> I always used to tell my mother-in-law that there were really only two kinds of people in the world the Irish and those who wish they were um, <laughs> she's not quite so convinced having been married to an Irishman as well so
0: <laughs> yes yes and we know um, with uh, Deb there's yeah. You know, with across the ocean and things yeah her
1: dad passed away uh in may yeah. and uh, her mom's not very well at all either so it's you start to feel the distance in times like that yeah
0: yeah we've always appreciated your ministry there and um, you also head up our corporation there and have uh, kept that in order and uh, kept everybody in line over all these years and i've appreciated your help there i haven't made a lot of those board meetings recently but uh, <laughs> Rob's really a pivotal person for us in, in Ireland, and um, he's sort of a go-to person. And they, you've accepted a lot of uh, teams, uh, short-term teams, and uh, you've been able to, to get a lot of different uh, people connected over there. Uh, I don't know if you have any stories you'd like to tell us about some of those things or whatever.
1: I think we were just talking the other day and saying that you know the, the, the short-term workers we've had over the years. Um, have always been a blessing some of them haven't stayed that long some of them have been here for have come for six months or a year some slightly longer Um, but each of them makes a a contribution in in quite a unique way Um, we're very grateful we had one young woman came and um, uh, worked with us for a year ended up as my as our daughter-in-law so um, our son (laughs) is very grateful for that (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and we've had uh, others interestingly enough predominantly women um uh who've come and uh, maybe there's a challenge for some of the young men out there um but it's i think a good experience for them it gives them a, 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 an exposure to a wider um, perspective they see um, what ministry and what missionary work is like in a in a wider context um, perhaps remove some of their illusions as to uh, the, the, the romance of it um, but they also see the hard work and one of the things that w- has always impressed us is that uh, the, the young people who've come on those short-term work um, experiences have worked hard you know they've come prepared to work and they've, and they've mm-hmm. you know they've done everything that we've asked of them and, and then some
0: Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we continue to ask that you would continue to support our ministry. This month, we're offering the booklet entitled He Did This Just For You by Max Licato. This is a wonderful booklet, I believe, for the beginning of the year. Uh, It's basically a booklet that talks about what Christ did on the cross and the fact that he died for our sins and took our place and gives new life and, and wants to have a relationship with each one of us. And that's really described very well in this booklet. And I thought since it's the first um, first month of the year that this would be a good booklet to have to share with friends, just to be encouraged and be blessed by the gospel once again. And it might give us a fresh start for the year to, to see how we could share the gospel throughout the year. To, uh, to reach people for Christ. And so I highly recommend this booklet. I think it'll really be a wonderful encouragement to each of us who are believers in Christ, but also it'll be a tremendous blessing to those who uh, receive this from you. So it's an evangelistic tool that uh, you can use. This month we're offering this booklet entitled He Did This Just For You. Uh, to order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210. St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York,
2: 14231. I of- mm-hmm. 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 Mary had a baby. Oh, Lord. Mary had a baby. Yes, my Lord, oh, Mary, Mary had a baby. Yes Lord the little baby baby is the son of God Where did she lay him Lord, 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 Laid him in a manger yes, oh, wrapped in the swaddling Lord, Yes Lord the little baby baby is the son of God Star keeper keep Oh, shining moving Lord, in the heaven Yes Stood above the stable Yes, Lord The little bitty baby is the Son of God
0: What oh, did she name
2: him? Lord.
0: Named him King Jesus
2: Yes, Lord, Lord. Wonderful oh, Counselor Yes, Lord The little bitty baby is the Son of God Tell me, who do you call The Wonderful Counselor? oh, ho oh, 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 glory hallelujah. Wo oh,
0: ho oh, 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 Glory Hallelujah. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled Faith Once Delivered. Printed copies are available upon request.
3: Last week I outlined a list of subjects we propose to deal with in this series of talks entitled The Faith Which Was Once Delivered Unto the Saints. Our object is to examine the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith with two goals in mind. First, to help Christian men and women give an articulate scriptural answer to those who ask them what they believe and why. And two, to help dispel the appalling ignorance of what true Bible Christianity is all about, so prevalent in the secular society of our times. The cardinal truth I want to discuss today is the doctrine of the divine authorship and preservation of the Bible. This subject involves two related questions. One, did God at some time in the past provide mankind with a perfect written revelation of divine eternal truth? And two, if so, has He preserved that perfect written revelation so that we may rightly claim to have in our possession today a word perfect Bible that is in very truth the verbally inspired, divinely preserved infallible and inerrant word of God. This matter certainly is not a mere academic exercise. There is at stake so much that affects and therefore should concern us all. It goes without saying that if the Bible is really the infallible and inerrant word of God, it is by far the most valuable and important book in the world. It is humanity's one and only source of absolute knowledge pertaining not only to this life, but to the life to come. Anyone would be a fool to ignore or be indifferent to such a book. Now the fact is, the Bible claims to be the infallible and inerrant Word of God. If its claims are false, then it is a fraudulent hoax, a book claiming to be something it is not, in which case it stands self-discredited and unworthy of our attention. You see how much hinges on the question of whether it is or is not the book it claims to be? The first proposition I present to you is that there is a wealth of irrefutable evidence supporting the Bible's claims of divine authorship and therefore infallibility. Its human writers consistently affirmed that the words they wrote were not their own, but were words they were moved to write and speak by the Holy Spirit of God. Few of the writers were learned men in a literary sense. And yet the Bible represents the highest standard of literary style and diction in every language into which it has been translated. How is this possible? The only rational explanation is that the human writers were mere tools in the hands of God, who was the real author of what they wrote. Further proof of divine authorship is evidenced by the matchless harmony within the 66 books comprising the canon of Scripture. Think of it. Some 40 different writers, many of them unknown to each other, writing about subjects they acknowledge they did not understand. And over a period of 1600 years, and yet there is not one single contradiction within or between the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. Impossible if they were the authors, but perfectly logical and understandable if God was the author of all Scripture as the Bible affirms. Further proof is provided by the literal exactitude with which Bible prophecies have been fulfilled. The human writers, left to themselves, could not possibly have foretold future events in such detail and with such accuracy. The Bible's longevity and endurance despite concerted efforts to destroy it bears further witness, not only to its divine authorship, but divine preservation. And certainly no honest investigator would deny the supernatural experimental effect it has had on the lives of the millions who have read and studied and believed and responded to the truth it affirms. No book written by men could possibly produce such results. But for many Christians the most conclusive proof of all is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. During his earthly ministry, he repeatedly quoted from the Old Testament books affirming that what was there written was the Word of God. He urged his disciples to search the Scriptures as the divine record that testified of him, and rebuked the doubters as fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He not only placed his stamp of divine authenticity on the Scriptures but affirmed God's intention to preserve them inviolate for all time. He said, Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This matter of divine preservation has become a key issue in our day and generation. While millions acknowledge the conclusive evidence that God did in times past give to mankind a perfect written revelation of truth, many are in doubt as to whether he has preserved that revelation inviolate throughout the centuries. In other words, while accepting the divine verbal inspiration of the original manuscripts, they question the literal accuracy of the translations we have in our possession today. One clear evidence of this attitude even among Christians is the multiplicity of translations and revisions they have embraced in recent years, each claiming to be a more accurate translation than its predecessors. To say a translation is more accurate than a previous translation implies that it still is not 100% accurate therefore obviously cannot be literally the inherent Word of God, because if it was, it would be totally free from errors of any kind. In considering this matter, three important facts must be kept in mind. 1. No original manuscripts of the Scriptures have been in existence for centuries. Therefore, unless God has miraculously preserved the divine perfection of His original revelation, we have no infallible Bible today. Two. Unless God has preserved his original perfect revelation, the purpose of giving it in the first place has been defeated. He obviously gave it initially because he wanted mankind to have an accurate revelation of truth. It is inconceivable that he would permit that purpose to be thwarted. 3. If God has not preserved his word inviolate, the cardinal doctrine of individual accountability is seriously impaired if not destroyed. The Bible affirms that God holds us individually accountable to Him. The basis of that accountability is that we have been given a perfect revelation of God's will so that we know precisely what is expected of us. If that revelation has been lost or impaired, the basis for accountability is gone. Again it is inconceivable that God would permit that to happen. Turning to the historical records. We quickly discovered that there are two distinct lines of descent from which came the numerous Bibles we have today. It is equally obvious that from the beginning one line has been marked by imperfections and inaccuracies while the other line possesses all the hallmarks of divine preservation and inerrancy. Let me briefly trace the two lines of descent. The Old Testament originals were in Hebrew, the New Testament originals in Greek. The first known translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek was known as the Septuagint and was made in Alexander, Egypt in 277 BC. From the outset the accuracy of the Septuagint was questioned by Hebrew scholars and rejected by Orthodox Jews. It was in existence at the time of Christ, but there is no indication that he ever quoted from it or recognized it in any way. Three alleged copies of the Septuagint are still in existence. They are the Vaticanus Manuscript in the Vatican of Rome, the Alexandrian Manuscript, and the Sinaitic Manuscript. These together with translations of the Septuagint into Latin, made in the second century and called the Latin Vulgate, and revised in the fourth century by Jerome, together with copies of New Testament Greek manuscripts, became the basis for a long series of translations and revisions. Some of the better known editions are Bede's translation into Anglo-Saxon in the 8th century, a ninth century revision named after Alfred the Great, Wycliffe's translation into English in the 14th century, and the Dewey Bible in English produced in 1582 and adopted by the Roman Catholic Church. Also in the 15th century, there was Coverdale's English translation and Matthew's revision. There was the Great or Chain Bible, of which the Geneva Bible of 1560 was a revision, with a further revision in 1568, known as the Bishop's Bible. In 1881, Drs. Westcott and Hort, two liberal theologians who didn't accept the doctrine of divine preservation of the scriptures, produced their Greek New Testament which together with the Old Testament translations and revisions I've mentioned, became the basis for the English Revised Version of 1885 and the American Revised Version of 1901. Most of the multiplicity of the modern revisions so widely promulgated today are based on manuscripts identified with this long chain of inaccurate translations and revisions. The other line of translations is very different. It goes back to the copies of the Old Testament Hebrew originals and of Greek New Testament originals preserved by faithful, often persecuted churches and bodies of believers during the long period and dark ages between the days of the early church and the 16th century. These faithful preservers of the faith, once delivered, included the Syrian Church, whose center had been Antioch, from where Paul and Barnabas began their first missionary journey, the Italic Church in northern Italy, the Waldensian Church, the Greek Catholic Church, the Gaelic Church of southern France, and the Celtic Church of Britain. From these preserved manuscripts, including the pure Greek text, known by such names as the Textus Receptus, Received Text, Majority Text, Byzantine text or Reformation text, Erasmus and Stephanus made their Greek copies early in the 16th century. From these, Tyndall made his English translation of the New Testament in 1525 and was working on his translation of the Old Testament when he was martyred in 1536 for his loyalty to and defense of the faith once delivered unto the saints. It was from these manuscripts that what became known throughout the Christian world as the authorized or King James translation of the Bible was produced by a committee of dedicated godly scholars in 1611 to become the universally recognized and accepted Bible for the next 350 years. One of the saddest and most regrettable trends of recent years has been the movement away from that blessed book that carries all the hallmarks of both divine inspiration and divine preservation to the multiplicity of imperfect modern translations and revisions stemming from the other line of manuscripts so lacking in evidence to support their claims to be more accurate translations of the word of God. The modern concept held even by many Christians today is that there is no divinely preserved in word-perfect translation of the Bible. That the truth of God and will of God is to be discovered by comparing the numerous translations, each differing from the other, and then using our human judgment to decide which to believe. The inevitable result is confusion and uncertainty as to precisely what is the inerrant word of God. We reject this concept as being contrary to the facts of history, to the Bible's own testimony, and to Christ's personal assurance that his word forever settled in heaven will likewise be preserved on earth as long as time shall last. That's why we affirm without apology or reservation that as far as the Bible and the English language is concerned, the King James authorized translation like the earlier manuscripts from which it came, has all the hallmarks not only of divine inspiration, but of divine preservation, and is in very truth the verbally inspired, infallible, and inherent Word of God. We accept it and commend it to you as the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You can rest your priceless soul on the accuracy and reliability of every word it contains. We likewise commend to you the matchless divine Christ of the Bible, for it is of him the scriptures bear witness. Above all, we urge you to respond to what those scriptures tell you of your need of God's forgiveness and of his willingness to receive and forgive and save to the uttermost all who will come to him through the divine person of his Son. If you have never done so before, we urge you to open your life to Jesus Christ today and receive Him as your personal Savior and Sovereign Lord. May God bless you.
0: Uh, We have this booklet that I'm highly recommending for this month. It's the first month of the year, and uh, it's called He Did This Just For You. It's really an evangelistic booklet that Max Lucado has written, and we trust that you will write in and uh, get your copy. One of the things that we're concerned about here at Canada's National Bible Hour is not only that people will continue to be challenged and grow in their faith and be encouraged, but also that those who listen to our broadcast would come to a a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that they would be born again. He loves you. He loves all of us. And he wants us all to come to repentance. He wants all of us to have a relationship with him. And you can do that by asking him to come into your life, confessing your sins to him, that's exactly what I did years and years ago and since that time my life has been totally changed and I'm sure yours will be too. You can get the booklet by Max Licato. Uh He did this just for you by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York. 14231. You can also listen to past broadcasts of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website at missiongo.org. M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O.R.G. And we also have a 24-hour Christian radio station which has some of the great hymns of the faith and really good preaching on that 24-7 at missiongo-radio.org missiongo-radio.org